Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, please remain standing uh, for the reading tonight of of God's Word, as uh, we're going to be looking tonight at uh, a little portion of Matthew's Gospel in Matthew chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to be reading from verse 38 through 42. I'm reading from the ESV, and so if that's that's different from the version you have, that'll explain it. Uh, So here now, God's Word, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. This is the word of the Lord. Let, Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that these are the words of life. And we pray that, O Lord, that you will open our eyes and our ears, that we may receive uh, your blessing this evening as we we consider these verses. We ask that, Lord, you'll uh, help us to see even more clearly uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's um, perhaps a, uh, a rare privilege for me to be with you as so many so many weeks in a, in a row, so it's, I'm glad to be here again one more night, and we're, we're very thankful that uh, Pastor Michael is doing so well, and we pray that Erica will have a, a great trip and, and return uh, this week. Uh, I'm, I thought we'd look at uh, tonight uh, this little portion of Matthew's Gospel. There isn't, I think, at any time in history when people haven't been fascinated with the ideas of, of signs and wonders. Uh, there's always a, a certain interest in uh, something that seems unusual, something you can't explain very well. Perhaps before um, the COVID times, as we were checking out in the, in the uh, supermarket lines, you'd see the, the um, tabloids with all these amazing stories of this happening or that happening and these great uh, unexplained occurrences. And you were tempted to, to uh, purchase that and, and see what, what, is, what it's all about. And of course, um, even in Jesus' time, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, um, there was a fascination uh, with signs and wonders. Uh, but perhaps some of these signs in Jesus' time would be difficult to, to understand. Uh, just to put us into the context of our passage tonight, you might turn back with me a page to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. We see that Jesus healed a man who was in a, in a very desperate position. He was demon-possessed, he was blind, he was mute, and he was brought to the Lord, and they saw that he was healed. Uh, well, this is amazing. How could this be? How could somebody 
um, cast the demon out. But when uh, Jesus um, did this, you, you might think that everyone was, would say this is a great thing that happened. But as it turns out, not everybody thought that. The Pharisees were not impressed. In fact, the, the Pharisees uh, really, if you, as you read down through this passage, uh, considered Jesus to be a great deceiver instead. So not everyone was impressed with the, the great works that Jesus did. But Jesus, of course, said, whoever is not with me is against me, in verse 30. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so Jesus really gives a warning uh, to those that uh, did not receive him. Uh, that this warning was that uh, if, you, if you do not receive me, of course, then you are, in fact, in great peril because then you're speaking blasphemy because um, he has come, he is, uh, he is uh, uh, the Son of Man who's come down to be our Savior. If they do not receive his words, they cut themselves off from the possibility of salvation. But I think Jesus also offers in the end of that, uh, in the next few verses, in verse 33 uh, through 37, a, a diagnosis, not only just a warning against those who don't receive him, but a diagnosis of the, um, of the people of the time. Uh, the diagnosis is that uh, they really have hearts that are not right with the Lord. It says, out of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, in a way, as, uh, as we take a look at ourselves, we take stock in ourselves, our words become a kind of diagnosis of our heart condition. Just like when you go to um, the doctor's office today and before you can even enter into the office, they, they, they point the infrared temperature sensor at your forehead to see what your temperature is. They're trying to find out do you have an illness. Well, in, in some ways, uh, our, our tongue can be that type of a diagnosis for our hearts because our tongues will speak uh, as to what our hearts are, are really, uh, the condition of our hearts. It reveals the, the state of our own hearts. So we need, to, we need to listen to our words in some sense. We need to listen to ourselves to see, is our heart right with, with the Lord? So there was a, 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 a th- those that responded to the, to the Lord's uh, teaching on earth, some of them received him with with faith and worshiped him, but others considered him uh, to be a deceiver and somebody to be rejected. So as we look at our, our text today, uh, we, uh, we're going to try to see wh- what exactly is in mind uh, when uh, the, the scribes and Pharisees come to approach Jesus in verse 38. It says, some of the scribes and Pharisees uh, came to Jesus after he said this, after he said, uh, out of the heart, uh, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. And so uh, that's perhaps, uh, on, on the face of it, a, a, an admirable thing to want to see the work of the Lord. Uh, but I think, in fact, what we're going to see is they're really looking for uh, another example of a miracle, and they're really only clamoring for the, the exciting and perhaps not really looking for the, the most important matter. So we're going to, to look at this uh, tonight, um, and I, I'd like to, to, to break this down in, into, um, into a few different parts. Um, Jesus knew the hearts of these men. The heart is deceitfully uh, wicked. Who can, who can know it? And he knew that their minds are darkened, so he's going to speak to them 
about uh, what uh, these signs really mean. And of course, it may not be good news for some. It will be good news for others, but it may not be good news. And of course, the Lord opens the eyes of those who are his own, and he calls them, and he says, whoever comes to me, he will never drive away. So we know that we can have great confidence that uh, the Lord's words will have will produce in some uh, faith and perhaps others that will reveal the, the sickness of their hearts. But I'd like to consider this passage under four, uh, four heads, really under three heads, and then a fourth we'll consider. The first is in verse 39. We're going to look at how Jesus condemns the Pharisees' demands for a sign. The second is we're going to look at what is the sign of Jonah itself, and we'll see that described for us in verse 40. And then we're going to just look at the response of the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah really demands a response, and we're going to see some examples of that in our text tonight. And finally, I'm going to consider uh, what are perhaps the signs of our time as an application. So that's, uh, that's how we're going to break down our, our, uh, our passage this evening. Starting with uh, verse 39, Jesus um, says to them, uh, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. So the first point is that Jonah condemns uh, the Pharisees' demand uh, for a sign. Um, He, in fact, refers to them, as we we read here, as an evil and as an adulterous uh, sign. Um, The Pharisees and many of the people had seen many signs, of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but they hadn't really believed him yet. They hadn't really taken it seriously. Uh, Why did they want more? Did they want to be thrilled? Uh, Did they want to be amazed in some way? Uh, Were they just uh, interested to see remarkable things? Um, But Jesus says that they're actually evil because they're really asking uh, for the wrong reason. Is it wrong to ask for signs? Uh, we, we read about a sign in, uh, in Joshua 2 this evening. Uh, the, uh, there was a, they were to put out the scarlet cord. That would be a sign in that sense. And God used that cord to preserve uh, Rachel and her family. Um, Gideon asked for a sign. Uh, we read about that. Uh, how he, Wanting to know what God's uh, purpose and will would be for him in terms of, of uh, going up into battle. And some have been criticized for not asking for signs. King Ahaz in Isaiah, I think in chapter uh, 7, was uh, uh, confronted by the prophet to ask for a sign, and he was supposed to ask for one, but he didn't ask for for a sign, so he was criticized for not asking for a sign. And uh, King Hezekiah is is another example of one who was given a sign when he prayed and asked for healing. So signs in themselves are not bad things. God uses those signs, and in fact, in, in, in different ways, God uses signs in our lives uh, every day. Uh, in the signs that Jesus was primarily uh, doing in, during his ministry on earth, he was doing these signs to demonstrate his power and his authority. He was demonstrating that he was the, the Redeemer and the Savior who had come to, to save the people uh, from their sins. And um, we see that he does many, of course, signs, but we also see that he never did those signs on demand. There are other occasions we could look at uh, that sh- where men came to see Jesus and wanted to see another sign after Jesus 
uh, fed the 5,000. There were some who came after him and wanted to see more, and they wanted to see more and more. Now, um, it's good to come to our Savior. It's good to seek knowledge. It's good to seek information, but that is not enough. That if, we, if, we, if we stop there, if we not are relying upon uh, the Spirit of God, to change our hearts and to give us greater insight in order, in order that we may trust in him, these signs really end up counting uh, for very, very little. We also see that Jesus calls uh, this generation an adulterous generation. Well, you know what, do you wonder why he would use that word? He calls them an adulterous generation. And that's because, of course, throughout the history of Israel, uh, in the in the Old Testament, the Israelites were to put God as 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 their only God. They were to, uh, to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind. But continuously, they were straying off and going after pagan gods. And uh, God referred to them as an adulterous uh, nation because they were going after other gods as a as a woman would go after another man and not remain faithful to her husband. They were not being faithful to their, to their uh, holy God, and they were seeking idols of their own making uh, rather than worshiping their covenant God. So God charged them with being worshiping uh, worshipers of idols rather than being uh, grateful and humble covenant followers of him, the, the only living and holy God. So they were evil and uh, an adulterous uh, nation. So for that reason, um, the, um, our Lord condemns the Pharisees for asking for another sign. But he says, uh, going on to, to, to the end of this verse, he says the only sign that will be given is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now that's kind of interesting, isn't it? So this second point here that we'd like to consider is, is the sign of Jonah. And we see that really spoken about in particular in, in, verses, in verse 40. Uh, it says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And that's, uh, that's perhaps an interesting um, comparison there. You might be thinking, what, is, what does this sign really mean, and how does it relate to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, of course, this takes us back to the Old Testament. You, you probably all know uh, the, uh, the, the little book of Jonah pretty well. Uh, Jonah was a prophet, probably an imperfect prophet in some ways. In fact, the, the interesting thing about Jonah, I think, is that there's probably more emphasis about the prophet himself than, uh, than about his message and his ministry, quite a bit of emphasis on the man. Uh, Jonah was called to be a prophet to Nineveh, which was the most populous city in Assyria. And we all know that Jonah didn't want to go there. Uh, Jonah didn't want to be a part of a ministry to a nation that was being used by God to be a, uh, an afflictor of his people, to be a, a judge of his people. That would be bringing um, to uh, the people of Israel, um, in some sense, a, a reminder of the fact that they had been unfaithful. They were adulterous. And so what did Jonah do? Jonah climbed onto that ship that was headed in the opposite direction, and uh, there was a great problem on, the, on board because there was a storm. The, sol the sailors knew, they, they became aware that the, the problem was Jonah himself. Jonah um, convinces them to throw him overboard, 
Perhaps they didn't want to do that, but they did. And immediately the sea goes calm, and those sailors worship the Lord. We see that. There was a, even in that uh, brief moment of ministry, Jonah had an impact on those sailors. And Jonah was swallowed up in a fish, and he was in that fish for three days. In some sense, he was good as dead. Who can survive living in the belly of a fish uh, deep under the water? And yet God preserves him supernaturally. And eventually Jonah repents and comes to the Lord. And that fish uh, is appointed by the Lord to vomit him up onto dry land. And he's taken him back to where he was supposed to be going in the first place. And Jonah appears and he walks into the city of Nineveh. And those that would see uh, Jonah... Would, would think this is a man who's been dead and has come back to life. In some ways, that was really the case. He had really suffered a kind of death, but he had been resurrected again. And we all know what um, Jonah uh, was uh, commanded to, to, uh, to, um, to preach. Uh, in, in, the, uh, in our English uh, text, it's actually only eight words. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's not a very long, very long uh, sermon, is it? Not a very compelling one, really, but God uses uh, Jonah's ministry, and of course there is a great, uh, great repentance and of the men of Nineveh, and because of Jonah's ministry there, um, the wor- the Lord worked, and there was a, a sparing of destruction, and we see that um, that um, there there is new life. There is new life in that city. And so this is the sign that Jesus wants the Pharisees to see. Now, they, they maybe haven't got all the pieces of the puzzle put together yet, but this is effectively the same thing. Uh, just like Jonah, the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be crucified. He's going to be laid in the tomb for three days, and on the third day, he's going to be raised again. This is the sign that Jesus wants the Pharisees uh, to consider the fact of his death his resurrection, and his, uh, his uh, coming again. Uh, Jesus refers to the, this, this coming, these coming events in his life in another place, in a very similar way, when he says to destroy this temple and he'll raise it up on the third day. So that is a, that's the sign of, of, uh, of, of Jonah. And Jesus is really condemning the Pharisees for wanting to see another, another miracle, another feeding of the 5,000 or another raising of someone who is sick or ill, but rather he wants to point uh, the Pharisees and all those who would hear him to himself, to his own person and to his own work, when he would, in fact, uh, die on our behalf and would be raised again. So that's the sign of Jonah. So that brings us to our third point, and that is in verses 41 and 42, uh, I'd like to maintain that the sign of Jonah demands some kind of response. Uh, there, there is a response that is needed. And we see two examples here. First of all, the men of Nineveh themselves. As we said, Jonah was an imperfect prophet, and yet the, the men of Nineveh listened to the truth, the message, and by faith they responded. They heard this message from one who was good as dead and was raised again. They saw the impending judgment, and they turned to the Lord. Men in Jesus' time also saw uh, his miracles. Some 
saw him die. Some saw him after his resurrection. But did they turn to him in faith? Probably most of them that, that saw Jesus did not. Now we know there were, there were quite a few that did, but probably most of, the, most of those that saw the work of our Savior on earth did not turn to him. And Jesus says the Ninevites are going to rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The Lord Jesus Christ in his glory, in his fullness, is the consummation of what uh, Jonah's ministry was pointing to. It, it, it was there, and yet it was, not, it was not received, and those that did not receive it will be judged, and the men of Ninevite, Nineveh will rise up in, in, uh, in agreement with those uh, who condemn uh, that generation. You know, we have something uh, even more than, than uh, the Ninevites, we have something more even than those that live in Jesus' time. We have the full counsel now of God's Word. Those that were with Jesus did hear Him personally, and they heard His Word spoken. But we have now all of God's Word for us, so we even have a greater account. And so, to, much, to, much, to whom much is given, much is received, we have an even greater, in some sense, accountability and one would, could say that even the men of Nineveh will rise up and speak against those of our generation who do not respond uh, to, um, by faith to his word. Uh, so uh, this is the, the, um, the sign that the Ninevites responded to. Uh, the Jews sought a sign, um, and, and they, but they, they couldn't see uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ the one who is the sign. The second example we see here in this passage is the Queen of Sheba, or the Queen of the South, as we have in the ESV. The, uh, we know this uh, about this, of course, from 1 Kings chapter 10. She was a wealthy queen. She arrived with a great uh, uh, entourage to see Solomon. She had heard about Solomon. She had heard about his possessions. She heard about his wisdom, and she wanted to go and test uh, Solomon. And she toured his house. And after all of that, she actually praises the Lord. One can think that through this encounter, this queen was converted uh, to, to, to trust in the Lord. And so uh, there is, a, there, there is a, 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 this response. She says uh, that in, verse, in 1 Kings 10, I didn't believe the reports. The half was not told me. It was re- quite remarkable. And so this uh, queen uh, returns as a believer uh, to her kingdom. And this is the contrast that Jesus wants to draw attention to. In fact, uh, if the Pharisees had the eyes to see it, he was using the words of a Gentile woman to really uh, condemn what they thought and what they were asking for. So we see that, uh, that in this example as well, there is a response of faith. And again, it's said that, behold, uh, something greater uh, is is here. So the, the 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 queen of the south was was far more willing uh, to receive the truth of God's word and to believe in it than those who saw Jesus uh, that day. So the sign of Jonah points to our Savior. Uh, there there are of course uh, many around us today. Uh, that have maybe heard about the Lord Jesus Christ 
and have not yet placed their trust or faith in Him. There, there may be some here today, or there may be some watching online, who have know a lot about the Bible or know a lot about uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but they maybe don't know Him. Uh, they maybe are looking for some. Maybe they're looking for God to do some miracle in their life. Uh, maybe they're looking for the Lord to, to reveal Himself in some special way. But Jesus said um, that um, we must receive His Word. Uh, if we are... If we are demanding that God is going to do something, we, we should not expect him to do something because we're, we're asking that way. Uh, Jesus calls upon us to look upon him as he has uh, placed, uh, as, he, as he took upon himself our sins and suffered its consequences in death and was raised again. And we must confess our sin and place our trust in him, for there really is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So if there is any here today that does, does not put, place their faith or trust in Jesus, don't be like the Jews of Jesus' time. Don't be like those who just looked on the signs, were fascinated by them, but it went away right, without trusting. Rather, we need to look to the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to repent and believe. So that, that is the sign of Joseph, Jonah and the, and the response that it, it demands. It demands that we respond in faith. But finally, in closing, just to, to think a moment again about signs, we might want to know what are the signs of our time? How do we know what the Lord might want us to do? What are the signs by which we are to live our lives? Uh, these signs that Jesus did when he was on earth, were to demonstrate his authority and his power, but they also demonstrate his compassion to those that were ill. He healed the blind, he healed those who were sick, he fed the hungry, uh, he saved the disciples from the perils of the raging sea. So there was a number of other ways in which these signs uh, were used by our Lord in his ministry. And we, we sometimes wish for those signs as well. Perhaps we mostly wish for those signs when we're placed into a position where we need to make a big decision. We wonder, well, can God send a sign to tell me um, what job I should take? Or should I buy this house? Or should I move to this new, new situation? Or if I'm not married, uh, should, I, uh, should I marry this particular woman? And those are the kinds of things we sometimes think about. You know, how is the Lord revealing what he wants us to do? And I think we should, first of all, note that we never have a right to demand a sign or even to expect one. Uh, Jesus did not answer to the demands to give signs when he was uh, approached by the Pharisees here or other places in Scripture. Uh, so we don't need, we, don't, uh, we, we can't demand one. But second of all, we know that we don't need them because we have something else. We have God's appointed means and we have primarily have the Word of God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 states that the word of the Lord, or the secret things of the Lord, belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Uh, so some things are revealed to us in time as we reveal, as we read his word, and some things are abundantly clear by what, what God's word, uh, reveal, what God's word uh, teaches. Um, as someone, uh, as one commentator put it, 
Uh, don't expect God to answer a prayer like this one. Lord, give me a sign if you want me to rob a bank. You know the answer already. Uh, the answer is no, of course. We're to live our lives righteously. And so we don't make re- requests like that. Uh, but likewise, we shouldn't do things which we know the Lord does not want us to do. We shouldn't be involved in pornography. We shouldn't be dating non-believers. We shouldn't be doing other things that are not in accord with uh, the, uh, the commands of the Lord, or the, as, as we have them in the Ten Commandments, for example. But second of all, uh, as we search the Scriptures, we can also seek the wisdom of godly counselors. Uh, Proverbs 12, verse 15 puts it this way, A wise man listens to advice. So often godly counselors can help us see uh, the matters of our own life from maybe another perspective, help us to see how to apply God's Word, help us to see where we maybe have a gap in our thinking. And so for you young people here today, your primary counselors are your parents, your godly parents. You should be listening to them as they give you guidance, and you should be following what they say. Uh, For us who are older, it may be our pastor or the session or our our deacons or other church leaders or other godly uh, godly, um, uh, friends in our lives. And so we can use, we can look to godly counselors as God's means, as his appointed means, by which we may seek advice. And then, I think, thirdly, we can test um, those signs by asking ourselves, whenever we make, uh, need to make uh, decisions in our lives, we can ask, what will the outcome be? Will it draw us closer to the Lord? Will it make my service to him more effective? Or will it, in fact, change uh, the way in which I live before him. Maybe one of the best ways to think about that, if we were given that offer for that special job, but it takes us out into the middle of the desert, and there's no church, there's no uh, Christian community, if there's no good uh, Bible teaching, is that going to draw me to a more fruitful life in the Lord? And if the answer is not yes, then we should say, well, uh, very likely, then that's not going to be the way the Lord wants me to to, to uh, order my life at this time. So we can use God's word, we can use counselors, we can use a desire to seek him and to serve him as the signs by which we can live our lives. So in all, in, in, in all those cases, of course, we need to rely upon uh, God's Holy Spirit. We can, can do nothing with, with God's spirit. So these are the, the signs uh, that we have today. We don't need um, m- miracles in our lives uh, we need the help of the Holy Spirit uh, to, to enable us to be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, to love Him, and uh, to help us to leave our affections of the world aside and to place our trust wholly in Him as we seek to serve our Master and Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, that You are, are uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a our great, um, You are a great Savior. That You are. Uh, the sign of salvation, that by your death and your resurrection, you signified death and life, and you signified life everlasting. So we do pray that we would place our trust humbly in what you have revealed in your word, and that, Lord, you, as, you, as we read your word, we would see it more clearly, how you reveal your purpose and your plan for us. And I pray, O oh Lord, for, for each one who is here today, that you will grant to us a great desire to be guided by your word, to be guided by your spirit, 
that we would live our lives to bring greater glory to your name. And so we do pray you will help us uh, to be not uh, led astray by the world, but instead uh, to place our faith, our hope, and our love in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart, that through the preached word your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.